Hello, it's Chet Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Marshall Trammell, a music research strategist and percussionist whose recent audio release, audio documentation, 11 Postures, came out on Siege just recently. It's an improvised percussive performance performed at Tribune Tower in downtown Oakland. And it's Marshall performing with graphic scores, visual scores, that were created during an insurgent learning workshop that he did in New Mexico. Uh, Marshall is amazing. Even just in that little introduction, you can see there are so many forces all colliding within Marshall's world and also exploding out of his kit too. He's an incredible percussionist to watch. I loved his music with Zachary James Watkins in Black Spirituals. This new record as well on Siege is fantastic. And also there's a new record coming out in June also on Siege called White People Killed Them with Raven Chacon and John Dieterich. Again, Marshall is on unbelievable form. And he was fantastic company as well. It was such a pleasure to speak with him. This was a great conversation. It goes in so many different directions so quickly, much like Marshall's playing. It was just such a pleasure to sit and listen. So you can go to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on Marshall's picks. Also head over to musicresearchstrategies.info, go to siegerecords.bandcamp.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. And please enjoy. This is Marshall Trammell on Crucial Listening. Hello, Marshall. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So we're here to talk about three important albums that you've picked. Before we get to those three important records, I want to start by talking about your recent release on Siege and also performance film, Eleven Postures, which was based on the output of your installation, Burn the Temples, Break Up the Bells. So firstly, I figure it could be Nice to give people a little introduction to the installation itself and what was involved in that. Well, I'm uh, going to be speaking very candidly, kind of off the top of my head here today. And I, uh, I, uh, I wanted to really acknowledge, uh, I guess, the importance of that work to have a basis within uh, a discourse around like, um, like, like Native American life. And like, uh, as far as like my perspective, or kind of like the over, sometimes I, like the, the overshadowing that those those um, lives and uh, histories and and realities today uh, kind of experience, or that's expressed from what through my colleagues and through what we what we can 
explore. So it's important for me to, um, uh, at the the same time, to emplace uh, importance of indigenous in, 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 in indigenous perspectives uh, in, 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 in indigeneity that's a part of my own performance practice. Say the drum set, and the drum set is historically it's a bunch of drums, you know. But and the the way that we approach them, the way that I approach them, is in an afrological sense. Like George Lewis talks about Afro afrological, like you know, urological perspectives, um, and. Uh, important for me to honor um, the indigenous aspects that make the kind of music that I'm making now. So, uh, you know, Afro, di- like, you know, di- di- uh, diasporic pra- like, you know, practices that are indigenous-based. And so uh, the discourse or the realities of the United States and me being an artist here, um, uh, uh, 11 Postures is based on... Um, on participatory research practice that was sourcing that I used to, to source to recontextualize the Underground Railroad code patterns, which is like which is tech, uh, uh, technical media from the Underground Railroad era, roughly 1680 to 1860. And in that research, I learned that in 1680, uh, 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 before the sort of black, you know, black. Like and white, like white, white, set like settler colonial construction of the Underground Railroad, which is something we can talk about. Is that of course native indigenous resistance was happening already, and their enslavement is something that you know black historians of the Underground Railroad industry doesn't talk about. So for me to play music in this nation, I wanted to uh, I have to uh, do this work and this investigation as clumsily and I mean, so I'm trying to do it better as I can. And so um, in this project, I was blessed with opportunity to uh, have an outdoor installation in Albuquerque, New Mexico through my friends Candace Hopkins and Raven Chacon. Uh, who were based in Albuquerque, and um, they gave me this opportunity. And what we did was, I uh, uh, I translated actually um, uh, insulation around different forms of resistance from a, a, a tour I've been doing in San Francisco, starting with uh, say the the Harm Free Zones, which are anti-violence formation in a geography, and a bunch of different systems of resistance. Translating those things through graphic practices into experimental music and so when I got and then I was uh, at the same time I was a uh, uh, inter I'm uh, sorry inter intercultural leadership institute fellow with other people of color and a few white folks who were brought together by these uh, foundations of folks of color so there were 28 of us from four different foundations going around the country having immersive you know experiences around uh, how do we support each other's uh, elements how do we uh, like how do, yeah native people black Folks, Hawaiian folks. I grew up in Hawaii, and uh, and uh, like and and mestizo, Chicano, uh, like Mexican, Latin, ex folks. So by the time I got to Albuquerque on this year tour, which is called the uh, the Status Quo is My Enemy tour, uh, I was able to translate these ideas into a, a public installation that was also a site for uh, my workshop, which are called Insurgent Learning Workshops. So I'm Marshall Tremell, like I'm a music research strategist. Like I'm not a drummer, I'm not a drummer for this band, I'm not a percussionist. 
uh, I'm a, a strategist, so when I use this, these tools for relating these strategies that are have like indigenous trace to my realities, uh, historically and all that good stuff, like metaphysically. Uh, so in the workshop, um, I gave this history of my fumbling over this blaring like erasure and invisibilization invisibilized like you know uh, uh, native uh, resistance story history uh, and um, and utilized this underground railroad kind of black uh, black uh, white um, like construction of uh, recontextualized um, uh, uh, art forms like already like pre pre-existing quilts that were transformed into a narrative for resistance. Like well, now this sailboat means you know we're gonna get sail from white get away from, you know so uh, so using those methodologies. So what I with an, a, a, an accomplice from another residency during that tour, a white a, 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 a accomplice who asked to be to remain nameless as an accomplice, she made these the at my request she made branding irons uh, in the shapes and the uh, then the, uh, the, the the shapes derived from the, the quilt codes themselves so by the time I got to Albuquerque 30 odd people I asked them to get into little groups and to make art and so they art that represented uh, what kind of practical pragmatic signage would support a fugitive in their midst and they described like you know i don't not from there i've gone there a lot but uh the south new mexico albuquerque is really close to the border um very conspicuous border there's the, the rio grande moves north from the border into albuquerque you've probably heard of the rio grande it's very famous you know uh like bodies would be you know going down the river you know because people didn't make it through the you know over the borders so uh you know there's a you know so people reflected reflected things in a desert you know i grew up in hawaii I, i'm in the, i'm here in oakland very lush so the whole de you know, the reflection of that um the images used in 11 postures so each group made up their you know they they made up their own images i asked them to talk about what their what it meant for like a minute so i have that kind of repository and then they also had the, so they're also you know they're making it they burned it they hammered it on the, the 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 on the poles that we have cemented into this thing and then i had them string up different colors from zigzagging uh through the through the the kind of forest of of poles and those stood for the different like uh resistance methodologies you know the things that i've been culling from my other from my research so uh 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 these research threads so um so that was a good part. So by the time, uh, so and also a colleague there like took really nice, ni nice photographs. I had them mounted, and here in Oakland, like a year and a half later, uh, we were able to film my me performing this as a visual score on the fifth floor of the Oakland Tribune Tower, which is a you know a grand tower here in Oakland. It's been empty for a while. It's the site of one of the first black-owned newspapers in the '80s. Wow. Uh, uh, the building's been around since 1902, something like that. So uh, the developers can't—they can't rent it, you know, right now because <laughs> who wants to be in a building? And it's like fifty thousand dollars a month. So we had access, I got access to it to uh, perform, uh, perform in there for the uh, for the Bo the Borealis Festival in in Bergen, uh, 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 Norway.
and Siege Records, uh, Aaron and Faith, uh, were, um, who've been supporting my work since Black Spirituals, uh, we, were able to, we were able to put out a, a digital record, an audio, a, a, a digital record of the audio, and we have vinyl to come uh, and some other things happening. And you sent me a link to the performance film, which is gorgeously shot and has your context as well between each piece, explaining how you arrive at each posture. What's going to happen with the film? Is that going to come out as well? My good friend Matt Vala shot that, and he uh, he brought the crew. Another friend of mine, uh, uh, Jacob Felix Hula, uh, uh, he's a percussionist. Uh, you know him? Yeah, he you know he works with a lot of great folks. Um, he 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 recorded the audio. Uh, right now, so it's um, it's a teaching film. So basically, I'm a. I kind of lucked out with getting two years of an artist residency at the Borealis Festival. Kind of the first year, because of the COVID, it kind of pushed me back, which kind of gave me more time. Mm. So what I'm pre- preparing for them is uh, a conduction system based on my based on this process. So what I what I had developed been developing is that. So I want. Let's see. How can I? So I want the. I'm gonna lead musicians in a conduction system in in Norway. And so I want those artists to like for, I want those musicians to approach the text that we're going to derive from community stakeholders. So through the festival I did a I did a I was able to uh gather, you know, 12 different people from Norway like for who are in this town very diverse like Arab queer journalists to you know uh, you know West African uh, different people who are living in this town who are a part of this festival that you know that the, that they're doing good work to diversify it and so I and the benefit of that is like bringing them to create their own codes their own quilt codes so I did a workshop around that I also worked with the staff to kind of talk about my project and get some feedback. And now after they just did the festival, so I get to go back. Um, uh, hopefully I can actually go and visit in the fall um, and then come back for the festival. Uh, um, and so I'll be working with the festival to organize a group of stakeholders to create their own codes and then to have the musicians work with the musicians to have me create idiosyncratic uh, 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 translations but also when performance to have audience members respond to the codes I think that's a, that's an important thing a kind of distinction that I make from say playing drums in a band or whatever it's like no in this workshop in this work um, so I thought, well, well the, one way that I could just happen is to kind of take myself out of it. And that, uh, like, I don't want to be conducting these musicians in their context. What, who cares? And so, in a, in a, in a, who cares about me? And so if I, so if, I, if, if, if this process has any meaning, then any person should be able to step up to the, to the podium and then, like, you know, I'll have very simple directions, you know, and then, you know, this is very much like how I experience indigenous music and culture. Like uh, outside of the outside of the um, uh, uh, like modern contemporary, like you know, professionalized person, uh, in the in the in the individualized art practice. You know, there's there's cobra, there's you know, Zorn's conduction system, there's Butch Mort's conduction system, and even those systems don't critique. You know, they they critique the like value systems of capitalism but they also are in it like they're also hierarchical systems or like they also are 
you know, they're also, well, I guess I, uh, you know, so in this way, I want to, I want to like, I want that it's a community, it's a community process that's a creative commons process, actually. So fundamentally, like, I don't want to have to, I don't want to own this process in the market, but I use it as a teaching tool before my, you know, this consulting project I'm trying to do. And uh, so, yeah, like, so like, I take this project and I come back. So I do it in San Francisco. I go do it in Mexico. I do the same kind of elements. And then people can add their their nuance and their histories into this container. And that informs the container. A uh, different way of like being in the market, you know, as a, in the, in the global market and global economy. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Hopefully there's a means of no, seeing how that unfolds from where I am and not being at the festival. But um one more question actually on your own 11 postures performance i mean what strikes me listening to the record and also seeing it in the film as well is the very pared down setup that you opt for in your performance so just a bass drum snare drum and a cowbell so i'm curious as to how you arrived at that setup as what you were going to use in order to enact the visual scores so i also used very long chop chop chopsticks right yeah so uh uh through the kind of the legacy of african-american creative music uh like train you know and and raw and like the art the uh, uh association for advancement of creative musicians is like this comedic like e- egyptian ancient egyptian kind of there's these bases for philosophy and part of that philosophy as i understand is like you transform your conscience you could transform the text and so uh in the in the in the light of instrumentalism like you know we transform these instruments like roscoe mitchell playing a saxophone it's like those horns are transformed through his his usage it's just a pencil you know so it's a tool so the drum set People make a lot of make a lot of deal out of their out of their out of their gear, and so I think for me, like the transforming this like name brand Remo drum set or whatever those things, when I, and like what, in, in the actuality, in the actuation of my performance, what is that material like? And then people you know, have to acknowledge that yo, this is some factory. Like you know, acknowledge that those systems are actually exist while we're getting our individual high on being amazing and shit like that. Like yeah, at the same time, like our materials are fundamentally like resourced in this the same kind of you know violent construction that is murdering people right now. Like that actually prevents you know uh, humanitarian aid. That you know it's the same conversation uh so like you know um uh, so i uh my materials are like old and borrowed and they're they're actually kind of not mine (laughs) and they're kind of less important you know it's like Mm -hmm. uh uh stuff that yeah like i've kind of given away things that i owned and then uh uh and uh they're old enough so that um i can't even tune them with a tuning the only thing i can use is my is with a tuning key like my kick drum my kick pedal i have a key for uh, but uh, the other ones are so old that I have to use a, a quarter yeah, yeah. To, before I tighten my snare, and then I have to, and I can detune my. So um, I wanted to really address like uh, African American, the uh, the drum set, and the drum set, you know, and uh, as like not as a rock and roll machine or a 
you know, genre this machine. Like, I don't play jazz music. I, you know, I fuck with elements of these things. Uh, uh, and so, uh, as a strategic location, as a geography, um, it's this kind of stuff I did like 25 years ago was mapping my drum set as a geography. Like, the cymbals were one, two, three, four, uh, like, like polygon, and then the drums were A, B, C, D. And so I would, would map like, as a kind of trapezoidal cube, right? If you imagine this shape, and I would map all the different multi- like instances of triangles within that shape. So my cymbals, and then my drums, and then right, and then one hand playing a triangle, right? So one, my left hand could play, you know, A, B, two, and then for you know, and then you have like you know, B, you know, B you know, C3, like, whatever, I just, so I, and then I would just play those things, and then I was able to create a new, a new, like, a new, like, a new language that was devoid of, like, the genreization of our cultural dynamic, like, play this kind of music, in the same way that with this, as I play, like, African Cuban, Cuban drums, it's, like, metal, and wood, and, like, skin and blood, you know, basically, you know, like, you know, used to bleed on my drums trying to play hardcore songs you know like trying to play like super fast just, you know just shred my hands uh-huh. <laughs> yeah uh and that's part of and, and playing you know playing hand drums you know for hours 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 and hours and like you bleed you know it's part of yeah. the thing. actually like you might piss blood actually if you're sitting down playing hella long like wow. those kind of that happens wow. like really endurance playing um yeah, so there's a lot of things that I learned in those dynamics, and so it, uh, and had a deeper impact on me than the limitations of the hi hat, and uh, the in those actually those kind of drums don't really those hi hats don't exist you know outside of this kind of Western content. I mean, they don't really exist like in that way. Maybe like in like North African little finger finger, but uh, uh, ride cymbals, you know. So like you know, uh, I just. There are also these different pitches, so I eliminate those pitches. It's also a way to uh, encourage my, like, the complexity of my, my soloistic vernacular. Less things, and I have to like, make up, you know, make a, and to play with like Aaron, you know, to play with, like, you know, play with like, holy sh- you know, or to play with, uh, you know, play with Bruce Ackley the other day, uh, you know, play with the people I get down with, like, uh, you know, in trios and stuff. I, uh, it's really a challenge that they even want me to be there. So, like, uh, 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 you know, we try to bring it, you know, uh, with that. And also, another thing is that I was house. Like, I also can't. I also don't. I can't carry. I can only play what I can carry. So I, I was. Um, in another other practical sense was that I was house-sitting here in the Bay Area, and I would just go to the park and play, and so I could only carry, like, a chair. Like, actually, now I, I, I would find a place where I could sit, my bass drum, a snare, and a cowbell, and some sticks. So that's basically all I have to carry, and that's all I can carry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once, once. Anyway, yeah. Well, the record is awesome. I'll link to it in the show notes for this. Uh, yeah. Important people to check it out. Um, Marshall, Siege we, Records. Yes, Siege Records, right. So we should talk about your important records that you've picked as well. So you picked uh, three. Well, well, we'll talk about the fourth as well. But one question I'd like to ask is how you thought about the term important when coming to your selection. So was there a way that you thought about that word to come to the three records that you did? 
I wanted to uh, think of, like a, have a, a, a teacherly kind of approach to what's important. Um, in the construction of my workshops, uh, 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 I want to be able to illustrate. Actually, uh, I actually been thinking about like a children's book kind of like way to like um, to um, communicate to people outside of English, outside of my my context, outside of my myopic <laughs> uh, uh, perspective. So. Um, um, and and developing a visual element to my sonic approaches and my nerdy kind of you know approaches. So um, I um, yeah, that's what came up to mind. Te the teacherly quality. Well, I'll let you pick which one we talk about first. Um, anyone you please. Which one do you want to go for? Well, Peter on the Wolf. Let's go for it. So, when did you first encounter this one? Do you remember? Oh uh, yeah, just you know as a smaller version of myself <laughs> uh yeah so like uh around the time you might expect you know like i'm a little teapot and all that kind of stuff around that time my uh, older sister she and i were closer in age my brother's eight years older than i so she and i would uh you know would uh yeah so i i equate this i equate my all memories of this record with being with her yeah, she's awesome. And why is this one important to you? Because it's, um, you know, I've also spent time teaching kids, but it's just very illustrative, yeah? It's like um, uh, the sonic re 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 representations of these uh, characters is very clear. Um, so much so that I have envisioned uh, creating a, a libretto for a... a an alternative version of Peter and the Wolf, where the wolf is uh, like a political prisoner, and Peter is like a young guard, and is like you know, and his dad is like his granddad's the warden, he's like a corrupt warden, and Peter's like like he respects the wolf because he's like he's radical, but then he's like you know, the, all his uncles are all like these fucking corrupt fucking you know <laughs> screws. Yeah. <laughs> so like I want to like I want to like make that like before I die like I want to like present that but uh that story but I I, I uh, yeah it's like um it's very clear like like a visual narrative so just as a way to to maybe just talk about you know why 11 postures is important to me or why there's like translation of sound to image to text and back to discourse all that kind of stuff uh is important i think it it comes pretty clear with disney and <laughs> disney's version and shit like that yeah i mean yeah. storytelling i mean is it something that you came back to obviously this is something that is you know in your mind as a memory of watching it with your sister did you was it a touch point beyond that point or is it just something that you have like right there in the back in childhood you know did you return to this at all yeah, so I mean, like, thinking about it in a more complex way, like, you know, how to, like, how to, you know, uh, rewrite the story. Mm. Um, but also, um, I'm also, I also am drawn to Chelsea's work, Kaya. Uh, I didn't put that on the list, but um, that's a piece where, actually, William Fowler Collins and I talk about this work quite a bit. We talk about Sufism and we talk about uh, uh, elements of, like, of uh, in, like vernacular, and so the way that Chelsea had brought in these 
you know, he his research was to get these musicians to re kind of reinvent their instruments, then he would score that, you know, like it's really like bloody painstaking time, right? <laughs> like a very like very very like I'm not that kind of musician, but I'm more like, yeah, I mean I'm more like, yeah, I'm you know, do that. Do it right now. Reinvent it now right, on stage right. in the context. I'm not gonna score it for you. But like uh um so that's kind of the idea is like uh with uh, these experimental music or creative music that how do we reinvent and recontextualize all the time um and that and that process is part of the guild i think part of like the journey to mastery um and then the, and the idea is to really how does it have value in the community like how does it value for me to make money no how does it have value to be of service in like for mankind like or or don't do it. <laughs> Why else would you want to do it? Right. And so to link that back to Peter and the Wolf, are you saying that it was a means of introducing you to the idea of that transposition? So saying, okay, it exists over here, but you, where, can, where can we take this as a basis? Yeah. If I'm understanding your question, yeah, like I, as a basis uh, um, for narrative, like sonic narratives, um, I could think of, I'm thinking of actually like Rova Quartet, I'm thinking of like, uh, uh, which is the Rova Saxophone Quartet, um, and uh, the, the Glenn Spearman Double Trio, uh, or different different formations on bandstands that are illustrative of like narratives that are important. The, the, say the change where like big band music was dance music, where everyone's kind of facing the band audience, and bebop music, you know, Miles actually he turned his back on audience. He's like, "This is actually these for, this fighting formation is here for you to behold, and then you witness this new narrative." And like, you know, so uh, uh, yeah, like, um, and then my constructions are like beyond the bandstand, like beyond the limit of the bandstand. Like, and I think those are those are indigenous to me. Like, those are like the ghost kind of forms that kind of break with like. You know, because dance music and all those things, those secular, those secular things are also part of the constructions that break apart, like that broke apart, like African solidarity or like native sovereignty, like these extractions of our culture that get put into like capitalist frameworks that are commodified. So, like, you know, that's what's happening, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so. Uh, yeah, the tendency for me is to like, yeah, how do we recreate these formations? I call them fighting formations. I call them black fighting formations. Like, I call, you know, I like to call them warrior ethos, the warrior ecologies. So Peter, you know, uh, you know, Peter's trying to conquer nature, right? Um, and that's the legacy that he's uh, kind of drawn into. He has to do this. He's compelled to, not, you know, uh, protect himself and his community from this wolf. That's a good story. That's like, it's, all, it's a coming-of-age story that uh, is universal in a way, I guess.
Yeah, let's talk about your second important record, Marshall. So, which one do you want to go for now? Well, as far as timeline, I would put uh, the the Earth Wind and Fire album. So, like, I just really mean like the like the whole like we had all these different albums uh, in our homes. There's all the pictures, also the Funkadelic albums, you know, or any, you know, those are great. But like um, uh, these images uh, were of like golden halls, you know, or like, you know, so, um, I guess the only kind of other, you know, I have a, born in the early 70s, so I have like Marvel comics, you know, and like those images of Thor, and then not having any images of like African, uh, like cosmologies or, you know, very, and also being in Hawaii, like we didn't have any, I suppose my parents had to pull me aside or pull my teachers aside to got to have them give me things that included black people, you know, like, and I would just like drool over those. Like, it's all I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I need. I need to have this. Um, cause yeah, it's just kind of in the communities that anyway. So, um, yeah, it was very powerful music, very powerful, like soulful replenishing, replenishing to, uh, just, I remember like having all the records open, just looking at them, you know. So that's uh, that's very important, you know. All the narratives in the songs, like I will never forget, never forget any of those things. Do you remember how it first came to you that record? How you discovered it? Yeah, this is my parents' collection, uh, and then I think more in discovery. So more in discovery is the like the curiosity when you're able to. Uh, in that curiosity, which may have been the scratching my dad's record, actually <laughs> getting my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, so uh, being curious, but with caution or with skill. So we're able to put the mu- music on for ourselves. Those were the times that I really remember. It's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe there's some hints of memory, but uh, so I, I, you know, I created the semiotic map of imp- improvisation, which I borrowed from Natiez and some other people. And so it was really like, okay, well, it's a constructive like a, as a waveform because our cognition is like moment, 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 wave, wave, wave. And we're always each thing where we can remember the first time we know this color is blue because we actually match it with every type of blue within our whole existence, so encyclopedic mind. So um, when we're in the moment of improvisation, bling, and like, you know, all these things are happening at once. Like when I first bought my first album or first had my first drum lesson and uh you know you know uh all these all those memories uh kind of are in each memory and in and in each act of improvisation so the act is actually actually bringing that really there and so if i'm listening to myself am i always am i always doing that no <laughs> but i errors that i wish i was but i, I uh you know or something like i think i i you know, I don't know, I'm, I just keep going with the music, but I, uh, in the, yeah, so in the framework of like this, like every moment has all these memories in it. So, um, and I, I think the agency comes when we're making more decisions or like when we acquire our own eye, our own identity within our art form or in our practice, our expressions. Um, I remember those, those things. And then it's cool to kind of bring it back to that stuff, those images. And so, I think also like this structural element that I'm learning again is like I invented this drum thing. I was talking about the structure thing, and I find myself drawn to uh, uh, comedic uh, histories around 
the first like temples, the first accountant practices, and the, those goddesses and gods that were uh, mirroring truths. So, um, you know, here as an African American in, in the wilderness of the United States, you know, any opportunities to find like African history, African culture within like whatever pop culture uh, is really uh, sticks to us and it has a lot of like valence. I've seen you say actually that this, not this record necessarily, that the Earth, Wind and Fire was um, a part of what made you want to start making music at all. Do you recall saying that? Am I putting words in your mouth there? I don't recall saying it, but it sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, which may affect your answer, I guess. I was going to ask, I mean, what is it within Earth, Wind and Fire and maybe within this record which you think might have spurred the desire to even just start making music? Well, I kind of referenced Lacan for a second, like the acquisition of, of identity, right? Like we acquire your son, acquires, you know, we acquire identity kind of through those who are around us, you know, we... Mm -hmm. You know, we want this and that, uh, and we want what they, what you all have, <laughs> what you have to offer. We want it. We want more than that. No, we, uh, and so, uh, like, so yeah, I so required, began to acquire, I didn't, like, I wanted to choose to put this on because I have been hearing it all my life through my parents' consumption. Uh, my, my, you know, my father being a failed drummer in a sense, like, he couldn't figure out how to play this Ahmad Jamal song actually and I and I heard about it oh you just do this it's just you know I just, I just tapped it on my finger he's like what you know I could have been a drummer <laughs> like you know 40 years ago I was like no it's just a it's a very simple listening thing um, but uh, so yeah like there's a transition so I get to re re relive the transition of of, of joy, enjoyment that my parents derived from this music and they and those connections. And so, and my ability to like use that medium uh, successfully, uh, you know, is uh, is important. And that they know that I get to do this work. They feel they feel something that I can give them. That's a part of that, a part of the continuum when they hear me. What's it been like with your parents in terms of the music that you gravitate towards? And have you found a lot of affinity with what your parents listen to? You know, what's that arc been like for you? Oh yeah. Uh, well, in a certain yeah, like my 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 dad likes Hiroshima, some of those like new jazz, you know, like uh, and I. I don't so much. I was once at this um, the, at a at a like a a, 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 a Ibuto concert, you know, or the, in San Francisco or in, in Oakland actually at, 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 at Twenty One Grand, and it was really disturbing, you know, Dance of Darkness, and they were playing like K jazz music, which was, you know, I've seen some where they playing, you know, the more traditional, but the K jazz music was so fucking disturbing like all the jazz people were all like outside having a cigarette like, i can't be in i literally couldn't be inside why they had like it was just that was like that was that shit was dark man that was the darkest we told <laughs> dance of death shit i couldn't be in the room it was just too rough so my, my dad my dad likes that type of stuff right. but uh you know we'll we'll agree with like you know you know oliver nelson and some stuff or there's you know you know, uh, you know, he likes Miles and stuff, and I just, I kind of, 
I don't listen to him. I kind of that's because my dad actually. I played trumpet, but I played trumpet more like Don Cherry. I liked like, like you know, uh, 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 Lee. You know, I liked uh, Lester. You know, I liked um, the more experimentalists. You know, so mm-hmm. um, so I guess my dad is. He's also Marine. So right. this my he's Marine, and uh, my house was not devoid of domestic violence. Mm. So we're black family. Uh, working class family in an occupied zone of Hawaii where we're the you know we're representing this occupation representing this violence and then we, there's a reception there's a mirror of that violence in my home uh, and so reflection comes out, out of my inflection I stutter and so I, it's part of my work uh, part of actually my the shake like the kind of the sound if he the kind of like shimmering or quick movement in my hands, I relate that to the stutter. Uh, I relate that to um, the okonkolo, which is the small drum in the Cuban bata, on the bata set. I also play bata, which is a, and a folkloric music learning. And uh, uh, so it's a time, the timekeeper. It repeats. So as a, as a stutterer uh, uh, who's feels like that resonant inflection comes from witnessing violence. You know, you witness people you're hardwired to love and then they're fucking being like they're they're scared of the shit out of you. So, you know, then, you know, that's resonance with my mom's life, my dad's life, actually his, you know, his abusive stepfather, all that shit like that. So there's just, there's a stoppage, you know, there's a acknowledgement of these things. Like, you know, these things have to, you know, so, um, that's that's pretty strong music in my family. That's mm. you know these records they 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 signify like good times and all that kind of shit or whatever you know or you know good times until shit goes bad. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. But uh, the the resonances are really like the human uh, interpersonal like growth and development and all that stuff. If we were to pick a track from this Earth Wind and Fire record to play a little clip of here. Do you have one oh. that protrudes for you? A favorite? No, no, I don't know. I would just pick anyone. So, the, <laughs> okay. so actually, so like, you know, when I was, I don't do this so much anymore. Like when we were all like young jazz cats, they put on the record, like, like Money Jungle, for instance. That didn't make it on the list. It's not a foundational one because I heard it much later. But like, we, that's the kind of record you only put on. You play the whole record, both sides at like, out when the sun goes down kind of thing you know so i guess you know like say at like 4 30 in the morning i would just put the, yeah say if you're listening 4 30 in the morning just put the whole record on and then you know <laughs> that could be your experience <laughs> but yeah I, I couldn't choose one track Fair. uh that's is that okay of Could course you choose it is. One? i'm okay, happy to cool. pick one no trouble Marshall, you've got one more important record. Um, yeah, give me the name of it. Yeah, there's, oh, well, yeah, The Sheep of Jazz to Come. 
so I had to think about things. I I chose another record. Uh, I was actually in L. I actually was in L.A. and I listened to uh, uh, Compassion Seizes Bedsty. You know, in order to survive. Uh, that's not foundational because I heard about it so much later than I. Uh, but I. Um, it's a different. It's a different kind of found. That's a different. A different in 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 interpretation of important. I think. Uh, uh, Susie Barrow's drumming as a student of Milford Graves. Uh, that whole sound, that was a time when I was actually would travel to New York from Oakland or San Francisco. I'd just go out there on JetBlue and just stay with friends and go see everything I could. Or at the time I was living, actually I was living in DC and I'd go up to the Vision Festival for three weeks and just see everything I could um, around that time. So that's a, that's a different kind of foundational. But uh, Ornette Coleman, this record was one that say in lieu of talking about my father's taste in music that I heard this record in San Diego in my teens or you know maybe 19 or something like that after you know seeking out this type of stuff and uh and I hadn't talked about it so like I hadn't I didn't like it right like I hadn't I didn't like it it's so like I read at the time like or shortly after I read all these different things about him like I studied the people were talking about not liking it not liking it and then how they had to listen to it and that was my experience too was like oh I, had, I was curious so I wanted to find out there's also a time in my own radical radicalization was that I was doing like V, like militant vegan like anti anti vivisection actions and shit just like punk wow. rock friends and doing it and, stuff. and uh, so free jazz and this is also time around like Iraq the uh, Gulf War and my mom wanted to take me to Mexico <laughs> she wanted me to fight um, wow. so that's from the time that I was um, seeking for music you know uh I played ska bands, like kind of British style, um, and then like punk rock bands. And then I was needing uh, to find a, a, a kinetic, visceral format that wasn't uh, straight up hardcore. That was like, you know, that was, that was a, a, way, a way of uh, expressing myself on the drums that was more fluid. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and so uh, expanding the vernacular, like, or expanding, expanding what I could actually hear and take on and explore was part of, and so I was exploring this record and then, like, seeing myself within the framework and dynamic of, of this music and the advancement uh, that it meant. And I thought that it would tie to, to, black, to, to, black, to, 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 to black liberation, like radical black liberation. I had wanted it to be uh, when I heard free jazz and all that kind of stuff. So you say you didn't like this record to begin with when you sought it out, right? Yeah, it was uh, outside of the expectations of that I could control uh -huh. uh, and that I, uh, yeah, that I could conceive of. How long did that take to change in terms of what you thought of the record? So I think I should say that, so... Um, it's uh it's uh it's fun okay so it's funny to it's funny to like go back uh, you have a child you have to go back to like not know at the moment where they don't know like they're exploring something for the first time so listening back to imagining myself not hearing it before <laughs> yeah 
And so that's the that's the teacherly element, right? So what is the new narrative? Like, oh, da, 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 da. the way they are playing together, which is different from Charlie. I mean, Charlie Parker's innovations are grander and bigger than Ornette Coleman's in ter- terms of uh, musicolo- music musicology and and mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and but the uh, the 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 the, the, the st- 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 stylistic, I guess, stylistic innovation. Um, like it was more shocking and 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 uh, obtuse for me, and I think it was them playing the 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 the, 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 the harmonic system, which was different from the sonic narratives where even hard like you know hard 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 hard. Hard bop still had this framework I can understand, but then this this type of hard bop, I guess you'd call it, uh, their, their 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 melodies and song lines were so different from a uh, Mingus and some of those like uh, the, the 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 modernists. Mm-hmm. Um, out out to lunch is also a very important foundational record. Uh, 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 um, the all around. I think I just heard it a bit later. I felt so privileged to even know about that record. Like, <laughs> like it's so interesting. Like, uh, actually, like, um, I don't know. That, that music is such a sacred music. We held that stuff. You know, my friends, it's like, these are all sacred albums and these things, and, like, no one knows what they are. People are, like, listening to, like, you know, Tupac is really important, you know, but uh-huh. I just, like... I was listening to like Eric Dolphy from 1964. Like, <laughs> just, that's something. Yeah. Um, so you're saying at this time you were seeking out, yeah, this kind of music, right? So, Ornette Coleman, you mentioned Eric Dolphy. Who else was? Who else were you connecting with around that time? Well, yeah, like uh, um, I mean, I would see bands like Psychic TV in San Diego. I would see like uh, um, San Diego didn't get a lot of bands, but I would. I was, you know, playing like uh, I guess DC hardcore inspired music, um, LA hardcore inspired music. You know, I you know I saw I saw I saw Mr. Bungle and Iguanas around this time, so I was like happy to know I knew who the hell they were. Like you know that there was a a cult of, you know, or there were like other music besides like 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 Lollapalooza music or you know right. mainstream music there was there were these other places so I needed to expand and so the Bay Area was a big part of that coming up here in my 20s was I wasn't able to find uh, um, you're, you're, I wasn't able to find sometimes you need to leave where you're from to go explore you know and so sure. um, uh, Super Jazz to Come was important because I also I kind of fit started fitting myself into these that shape Actually, so that's uh, I'll say it like that. So, you know, and uh, I guess the first couple of tracks, right? I was a kid, you know, Peter and the Wolf, and then I'm getting figuring things out, and then I want to be become shaped within this uh, monolithic, like '60s, like radical fire music, jazz consciousness, and I wanted it to be more more radical than it was, like. I wanted it to be like more fiery, more like Black Panther. Yeah, I wanted that element. Um, then it's uh, a journey. Like with those things are complex, and and you find those things exist. They certainly did. You got to look for it. So you were playing. You mentioned like more hardcore, and you were looking for something more more fluid. You say, and 
I guess this was a means of showing a, a, a means of doing that. I mean, once you heard uh, music that had that fire and fluidity, how did you bring that into your own playing? Like, if, I guess if you're playing in the context of like hardcore and stuff, did you move away from playing that music or did you bring that kind of playing into that music? Where did it take you? Yeah, like bands like, you know, I was listening to myself with uh, Aaron Turner uh, and a project we did called Experimental Love. Um, I kind of have like a kind of brutalist kind of like, you know, some of my, some of that playing is really just kind of like uh, brutal. It's kind of uh, really raw. I got to do that. So it's important, like, when it, like, as sort of a pragmatic philosophy in my performance was something I ran across called simultaneous multi-dimensionality. Like simultaneous multi-dimensionality is a musicological kind of construct that looks at, uh, say, West African drumming. And so each, uh, each in, there, in, that, in those site in that music is cyclical. And there's, say, in each of those elements, each instrument has a cycle, a cyclical, a cyclical like rhythm cycle, and so, and but each of them is like super valuable, and then at the same time, the leading drum is the sort of key, and so I've sort of extracted that idea in terms of creative music, where here at Black Spirituals, we're both soloists. Like I didn't want us to play, you know, lines in time like, you know, uh, Ornette and Don, you know, you know, right. we were, and so. Uh, you know, uh, 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 it's important for us to express our vernacular strategies, and I've been doing that a long time. It's like having a solo vernacular, duo vernacular. One thing that's I would just say that I use these. My our friend, my friend got me these chopsticks to play with, and so uh, he's a drummer. So his name is VJ Anderson. He's in, in New York now, and he introduced me to using these chopsticks, which are like cooking chopsticks. And so, uh, whereas I can hit really hard without with less surface area in my stick. And so and you know I and so it's kind of a way that I've was using ways to control like volume and stuff. But um I've been able to kind of like have like energy of like very fiery music but not really have to have a lot of like like volume. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also I don't I don't have to play with you know I'm not actually performing with like people with loud amps all the time you know or even i can actually use the use the studio or use the concert hall to amplify what i do quietly and i can i can uh, signify uh movement and speed and and power without uh without having symbols around you know and so and i also challenged i also challenged you know my musicians people who play with me to to play with me <laughs> you know so it's like, like oh like you know they're it's a challenge, you know, when you have a new musician. It's a challenge to explore our instruments in a new in a, in a new way. Um, but I also I so I accept the the limits um, that befall me, and uh, and that's what helped me to kind of explore. Um, I like yeah to explore the possibilities of of that.
great well like i say everyone please do check out 11 postures i'll link to it again it's wonderful and um i mean marshall what else have you got coming up i think um i think you'll enjoy um there's a re- e- 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 an album called White People Killed Them. Uh-huh. That's a, uh, with, with John, John Dietrich from Deerhoof and, and Raven Chacon. Uh, John and Raven have a band called Inlings. They've just put out something on White Sepulchre. Mm-hmm. I also did a couple of tracks on there, so I encourage you to go check those out. I, um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm uh, going to be... Uh, I did some music last night with, with a friend at this uh, MSW, like a social work class at UC Berkeley. So we're going to do a thing. And I have a couple um, projects I'm doing with, high, with college students. Uh, been brought in to do some lectures. But I'll be at the at Borealis Festival next year. And then I'll be, uh, have a, I'll be at the Jewish Museum, in Contemporary Jewish Museum for about six months. So I'm excited about whatever that's going to what I'm going to do there. And between now and then, I have a lot of uh, uh, trying to do a lot of research and trying to, um, I'm really interested in like how organizations improvise. So that's uh, a big part of what I'm looking into these days. Well, best of luck. Uh, Marshall, thanks once again to everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Ciao.